Thank you, Susie. I mentioned one of the distinctives of Foundation Church a few moments ago, that we're Christian in faith. And we express that this time around by confessing together the Apostles' Creed. One of our other distinctives, uh, part of our DNA, if you like, is that we are missional in practice. Missional in practice. The other two, just in case you're wondering, we're reformed in our theology, we're baptistic in our polity, and we're missional in practice. You can, you can find out more about that on our website if you want to go on and read what that means to us. But as a church that is missional in practice, it means, at the very least, that everything we say and we do, whether it's as we gather and as we scatter, is always with our minds on the mission that God has for the local church. And for us, particularly, as a local church. And uh, that can be summed up in what we're talking about this evening, which is evangelism. Um, if if, if uh, this is your first Sunday here, or maybe you've, you've missed a few, um, uh, we've been going through a series called The Nine Marks of a Healthy Church. And uh, we've been looking at some of the essential building blocks to building a healthy local church. Uh, we started off on our first week by looking at the importance of expository preaching, that is preaching from the Bible, letting the Bible set the pace of where we're going, what we're teaching, what we're saying. Uh, Bible theology then is the second mark of a healthy church, the overarching uh, storyline of the Bible and how we have to see all the little bits and pieces of the Bible in, in, in the you know, overarching storyline. Uh, the gospel we looked at two weeks ago. Last week we looked at conversion. What does it mean to become a Christian? And how do we go about doing that? And this week, this is uh, week five, so we're kind of halfway through now our, our series, Nine Marks of a Healthy Church, Evangelism, the fifth mark of a healthy church. And as a church that's missional in practice, we want to really listen clearly to, to what's going on. What does the Bible teach about evangelism? So uh, we've got a couple of pointers as we go through. Uh, as, we, as we look at this passage in a bit more depth, we're going to be asking ourselves, number one, what is evangelism and what is not? So what is evangelism and what is not? Why should we do it? And why we don't do it. And thirdly, we're going to look at how should we do it. So what is evangelism? Why should we do it? And how should we do it? So we've just had this passage read to us, which is one of the key passages in the Bible about evangelism. Uh, and quite simply, uh, I don't know if you've picked it up so far from what we've just read, but evangelism is, is simply the telling of the good news of Jesus Christ. It is the, uh, the announcement uh, in verse 15, Paul uses this phrase, the good news. Uh, it is getting the good news out. In verse 17, it is the, the word of Christ. And it's the word about Christ, about what he's done, who he is, uh, how he went to the cross, how he died in, in the place of his people for their sins. That's quite simply what evangelism is. And whether, whether you are aware of this or not, evangelism, the spreading of the good news, the word of Christ, has been part of the Christian faith from the roots, from the very earliest days. You know, being a Christian and Christianity itself is not primarily about having a good life or, or about giving you a, a different outlook on life or just giving a way of understanding the universe, one of many different ways. No, no, no. At the, at the heart of the Christian faith has always been this commitment to the proclamation, to the announcement of the good news of the kingdom of God in Christ. We see that first of all, um, we can think of it like this, uh, through a man called John the Baptist, for example, even before Jesus arrived on the scene, John the Baptist 
uh, was there. He was proclaiming to the people of Jerusalem and Judea, you know, the, the area uh, of the ancient Near East. And he was preparing the people, saying, soon someone's going to come along who is, who is really important. It's the Lord himself. It is the Messiah. I, I'm here to pre- prepare you, uh, to baptize you, so that you are ready for his coming. So John the Baptist, even before Christ came, was announcing his coming. Then Jesus himself arrived on the scene in the beginning of uh, the Gospel of Mark in the New Testament. Jesus announces his arrival and he says, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the Gospel. Jesus was announcing the Gospel. And as we go on in the New Testament, we see the apostles doing just that. After Jesus uh, lived his life, died his death, rose and ascended to the right hand of the Father as we were just confessing, the apostles carried on that ministry, telling the world about the good news of Jesus Christ, announcing that this long-awaited Messiah has, has been here, has done his work. Now you are to repent and believe in the good news. We see John do it, we see Jesus do it, we see the apostles do it, and as the church develops and matures, and we see this through the New Testament, pastors, leaders are to lead the people of the local churches in evangelism, in spreading the good news. Do the work of an evangelist, said the apostle Paul to the younger pastor Timothy. But it's not just the professionals either, it's not just the church leaders. In fact, in the Great Commission at the end of the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus himself, before he went to the right hand of the Father, said to the the, the apostles that were gathered before him, the disciples, all authority has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. And you have to keep doing this, you have to keep announcing the good news, you have to keep planting churches till the very end of the age. As you read on through the rest of the book of Acts, You see how they went about this, how moment by moment, year after year, the good news was preached. People heard the good news and were saved, brought together in local churches. And what we're doing here this evening at Foundation Church and what we have been doing and what we will be doing is simply a continuation. In some ways, this is nothing new. Uh, We're just simply carrying on the work that was set in motion by these great, uh, great people, Christ himself being the greatest. So, what is evangelism? It is the announcement, the preaching, the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection, and a call to faith, to believe in him. That can be done in any number of ways, whether it's formally, through gospel missions, or, you know, preaching, and all that kind of, like what we're doing now, formal stuff. Or informally, through one-to-one conversations, through the kind of thing you you might teach your kids, uh, the kind of conversations you might have with your friends and your family whether we're gathered together or whether we're scattered. It happens in all these different ways, and yet evangelism is simply the telling of the good news of Jesus Christ. Maybe you knew that already. But sometimes it helps us for clarity to know as a local church what it is, but also what it's not. So let me just lay out a few things about what evangelism is not. Evangelism is not what we call apologetics which is defending the Christian faith to uh, the outside world, if you like. It is, it is uh, uh, responding to the questions of un, un, you know, people from outside the faith, giving reasons to believe, that kind of thing. Very, very helpful, very, very important, but that's not evangelism. Evangelism is not good works, mercy ministries, 
doing good deeds for those outside. Again, incredibly important, but it's not evangelism. Evangelism is not the winning of converts. Although, again, of course, we want to see fruit. We want to see people being grasped and gripped by the good news. But it's not ultimately the winning of converts. It's not the results. It is the proclamation. It is the telling of the good news. See, it is possible for churches and people to do faithful evangelism and not to see any converts at all. No one wants that, of course, but it is possible. Look down at verse 16. Paul, after, we're going to examine the first bit in a minute, but after this sort of argument about preaching the good news and showing how important that is, he says in verse 16, but they, that is the world, have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? Are we saying here that Paul was somehow being unfaithful? Are we saying that the gospel somehow has failed? Not at all. But what we are saying is that not everybody believes, even though the good news of Jesus Christ could be faithfully proclaimed. So, what is evangelism? It's the faithful telling, announcing of the good news of Jesus Christ and what it's not. We've thought about a few of those things. Very helpful things, but it's important we don't get confused. So let's move on then to the second bit and hopefully... This is where it starts to click into gear a little bit. Why should we do it? Why should we as a church, we as individuals, do evangelism and some of the reasons why we don't do it? Look down at verse 13. The first verse. It says this, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is, this is a great promise, by the way, that I want you to, to really camp out in, to take to heart, uh, especially if you have been trying as a Christian to share the good news of Jesus with other people in your family and you've been getting nowhere. This is a great promise to hold on to. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. No ifs, no ands, no buts. If someone comes to Jesus in faith, calls upon the name of the Lord, says, save me, he will do it. God is not turning his back on people, walking away. He's not hard to find. God is there waiting, willing, ready for his children to come home. And so therefore, anyone who turns and calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, guaranteed. No elaborate process to go through, no groveling on the ground. There's no amount of groveling that will help, by the way. Simply turning coming to God in faith. You'll be saved, it says. Saved from what? Saved from sin and the effects of your sin. That is, we saw this last week, going from death, spiritual death to life. Becoming, going from being an enemy of God to being a friend. Going from being abandoned to being a child of God. Call on the name of the Lord. Why should we do it? Because everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But look, he goes on, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed. You see, in order for someone to call on the name of the Lord, to, to, to be saved by putting their faith in Jesus Christ and the benefits of what he did applied to them, for that to happen, they need to know him. They need to know about him. You can't, you can't just believe in, 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 in general 
spiritual feelings or, or, or something. You can't just have faith in faith. You need to have faith in something or someone. So therefore, in order for someone to be saved, they have to know, they have to be told about Jesus Christ, this man, and what he did. So that they may put their faith in him and, and, and live their lives for him. That's called repentance. You can't just feel all warm and emotional and then say, yes, I'm going to put my faith in, in, in Jesus. You're putting your faith in someone and something and what really happened in space and in time and in history. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed and how are they to believe in him of whom they've never heard? They have to hear the good news and how are they to hear without someone preaching, you know, without someone proclaiming, evangelizing in that formal and informal way? How are they to know about Jesus? How can they be saved unless they hear the good news? Do you see how Paul connects the eternal salvation of somebody with our sharing of the gospel? And so coming back to our question, why should we do it? Because that is the means that God uses to bring people to salvation is you and I and this church and our churches and St. Jude's down the road and all the other local churches proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. That's how God in his grace and his mercy and his wisdom chooses to do it. And if you want motivation, Christian, about why you should evangelize, why you should share the good news, it's right there. It's not down, by the way, this is, this is good news for me, this is not down to our cleverness, to how professional we are, how slick we are, getting the right words in the right order. That is not the thing that saves people. Yes, we have to be clear with the gospel. But it's God alone that saves. So that's what we've been singing this morning, sorry, um, earlier on this evening. It's God alone that does the work. He just chooses to use us to proclaim the word, to bring that to our friends and our families, to our neighbours, to our kids, to our co-workers, to the stranger in the streets. He uses us to bring the good news to them so that they may hear and be saved. I don't know what greater motivation there is for evangelism. That we, I, get to participate with, with God. That he uses someone like me to Bring the good news to people out there. Um, I, I was fiddling around on Facebook a few days ago, and I came across this story. Um, I'm going to... I'll show you the picture in a minute. It was from a, a church called Grace Baptist Church in London, area called Wood Green. And it tells the story, just a brief overview of this uh, young man from Iran. His name is... Ali Reza, Ali Reza, I think I've got that right. Uh, this man was standing in church giving his testimony about how he came to faith in Jesus. And so it says uh, on, on, on the, their update post thing, this young man, Ali Reza, is from Iran. He was raised and educated in the religion of Islam. And he came to the UK to seek asylum. And so he says in his own words, one day he says, I met with a man called Martin at the bus stop. And I talked to Martin a little bit about my life in the UK, and Martin talked to me about Christ and Christianity. And so the result of that conversation was that this young Iranian man, Ali Reza, 
began attending church services regularly. He started a one-to-one Christianity Explored Bible study with one of the pastors at Grace Baptist Church in Woodgreen. And in his own words, he says this, I came to believe in Christ and trust in him, believing that Jesus came to save me from my sinful life, died for my sins, and is risen again. And by trusting in Jesus Christ, I have a new chance. And I said, today, this young man, Ali Reza, shared his testimony with the congregation, and he was baptized into membership of the church. There's a picture of him just there giving his testimony and being baptized, identifying with Jesus Christ through the water of baptism and putting his faith in him. You can see how much it means to him right there. And all of that came from a conversation at the bus stop with a guy called Martin. Because that's how God works. Why should we do it? Because that is how God works. You know, sometimes uh, as Christians, we, we, we don't really like evangelism that much. We, we like the idea, but we don't like doing it. And um, quite often there's a lot of fear that, that underpins that. Sometimes we, we fear uh, standing at the bus stop and speaking to someone like that and just getting a pile of abuse in our face. Or, or maybe sometimes we fear uh, getting the words wrong. We, we really want to share the good news about Jesus, but yet it comes out all ah, upside down and... Ah. We, we think we'll make more of a mess, so in some ways it's just better to keep quiet than, not, than, than say anything at all. Sometimes we fear just being weak, that we just don't have the strength or the ability or the, the, the knowledge to, to, to talk about Jesus. Uh, maybe sometimes we fear talking to those radical atheists that are just going to fire all the science at us and uh, we don't know what to say about science. But look at the promise that we see in verse 13. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. There's an even greater, I think, promise as well at the beginning of the book of Romans. You you may not see it um, if you don't have a Bible with you, but I'll, I'll read it to you. Paul says this right up front. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why not? It's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. The gospel is the power of God. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You know, our fears are real. Maybe we will get rejected. Maybe we will get our words wrong, screw it up, say it in the wrong way. Maybe we will end up causing offense without even intending it. Maybe we will get fired down by the atheist person that we speak to. But this great promise in the book of Romans that we're looking at just now, and the one earlier as well. I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why not? Because it's the power. That's the way that God does it. That's the way that people are saved and transformed and brought into his kingdom is through the good news of Jesus and, and learning about that and calling on his name. I love this statement. I've read it a few times so far as Foundation Church, but the, uh, the Apostle Paul, when he writes to the Corinthian church in, uh, in, the, in his first letter, he says, look, I don't come to you uh, with, with, with high-fluting words and amazing wisdom. I come to you in weakness and trembling, but I come to you to preach Christ and Him crucified so that your faith might be in God and not in me and my words of wisdom, but in Him. You see, whether you have fear of rejection or getting your words wrong or screwing it up or, or, or coming across 
in the wrong way. That is how God chooses to extend his church through people like you taking opportunities like that in your workplace, wherever you happen to be. God delights to display his strength through our weakness. So therefore, let's be people of courage. What is evangelism? It's the proclamation of the good news, pure and simple. Why should we do it? Because that is God's means for extending the church, for saving people. And finally, let's just think a bit more practically. How should we do it? How should we do it as a church and as individuals that constitute the church? I think we can uh, consider the practicalities of evangelism under two headings. We've got the come and see variety and the go and tell variety. Come and see, go and tell. Let me explain what I mean. How should we do it? Number one, come and see. Come and, and gather together and see what God is all about. And that's where the, the role of the local church comes in. It's not necessarily you on your own that evangelizes, but that is our job. That is, it is we that evangelize. It is us as a church that is to share the good news of Jesus. We're, we're a church that has Christ as the foundation. We're a church that is Christian in faith. We're a church that preaches the gospel every week. We sing the gospel. We demonstrate the gospel later through baptism and through Lord's Supper. We, we live out the gospel as we go into the world with lives transformed by it. And so therefore, we should be able to say to people outside the church, outside the faith, come and see. Come and learn. Come and, come and see what it looks like. Jesus uh, gave this command to his followers in John chapter 13. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. Imagine that, especially when you know what Jesus did to demonstrate his love for you and for his church by going to the cross for her. Just as I have loved you, he says, you're to love one another. And then he follows it up by this amazing statement. By this, by the way you love one another, all people will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another. The way that the outside world will see the way that Jesus loves his church is the way they see us loving one another. John 13, 34 and 35, you want to go and look it up. The way the world will see the love that Jesus has for his church is the way that they will see the love we have for one another. Come and see. And so as a church, we should expect to, to love one another in this radical, self-giving way that Jesus loves the church and gave himself up for her, so we do that for one another. And that is so countercultural. That is not the way the world shows love for one another. Out there it's about what we can get and, and what you can give me in return. But that's not the way it is with the church. It's the other way around. We, we, we serve. We give ourselves because of what Christ has given for us. Can you imagine the effect of that on people that come and see? Can you imagine a community of people like that built on Christ the foundation? Can you imagine the difference that would make if we invite people into that, to participate in that, to see it, to experience it? So different from what the world will offer. 
A place where we are characterised by acceptance rather than rejection. A community of people defined by love, despite our differences, rather than fear. A community that is transformed by grace, not defined by condemnation. A place of hope for a bright future, rather than disgust and pessimism about where we are. Just imagine a church like that. That's why Jesus called the church a city on a hill. You just can't keep the light out. Everyone will see it. Just as I have loved you, you're to love one another, Jesus says. And that is what we are all about here at Foundation Church. It is building this community, built on Christ the Foundation, where people can come and find a home. Where they can come in and ask honest questions. And... and, and, Think through the big issues of life. Where they can see lives lived out in front of one another, demonstrating the love that Christ has for the church. Can you imagine a place like that? That's what we want here. How should we do evangelism? It's come and see. Come, come and enter in. And you can see, by the way, folks, if you're you know, part of the core team here, especially at Foundation, you can see the importance of hospitality, can't you? Opening up your home, giving your time, so that people who are sort of on the periphery or maybe outside completely can come in, can see on that sort of micro level, can experience what it is to be part of a community founded on Christ the Foundation. That's how we do our evangelism here at Foundation is going to be natural, not, not programs and lots of events, but just relational, non-threatening. It's one of the ways that we are missional in practice. So come and see, first of all. But another way to do evangelism, or rather sort of complementary way, these are two sides of the same coin, by the way, is to go and tell. Go out of here and tell. Because only you can reach the people that God has placed in your circle of influence, in your life. I can't reach it. Probably the person sat next to you can't reach it in the same way you can. But there are people that God has placed in your life that only you can reach. Or you're primed in such a great position that you can reach them more effectively than anyone else's. Just think for a second. The week from last Sunday to this Sunday here, the week that's just passed, how many people outside the Christian faith, if you're a believer here tonight, how many people outside the Christian faith have you had contact with? How many people have you had contact with outside the faith? 50? 100? That's one of the benefits, I guess, of living in a, like a post-Christian society, progressively, is that we're going to be in contact with more and more people from outside the Christian faith. On one level, that's great, because we get more and more opportunity to share the good news. It means we're going to be more and more of a minority. But how many people have you had contact with outside the Christian faith in the last week? What about the last month? The last six months? Thousands, most likely. And I'm talking to myself here as much as, as, much as you. Go and tell. How can we then naturally share the gospel the good news of Jesus with these people in various contexts 
Sometimes it might be that bus stop moment, just like the story from Ali Reza, the Iranian, the Iranian man that we just heard about. That sort of blink and you miss it opportunity that you're never going to see that person again, but maybe that is the person that you must share the good news with somehow or other. Of course, it depends on the, 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 the situation, on the relationship, on the quality of that relationship and the depth. You can speak to some people in ways that you can't speak to others. You can speak to your boss at work in a way that you can't speak to maybe your staff. You can speak to your family member that you've grown up with in a different way that you can speak to senior members of your family. You get the picture, don't you? So there's no such thing as a one-size-fits-all approach to evangelism. I'm not going to give you a little form that you can fill out on the back of a napkin to explain the good news because we need to be flexible and, 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 and adopt to different situations, different relationships, call for different approaches. But what is the next step that you need to take in certain relationships, certain friendships, certain connections, in order for you to share or work towards sharing the good news of Christ? How can you demonstrate love in a practical way to those you work with? How can you extend a hand of friendship to those who have no friends? How can you open your home and your life to demonstrate hospitality? And together, as people at Foundation Church, how can we encourage one another to go and tell? Because it's all very well us coming and meeting every Sunday night. But our encouragement of one another, our challenging of one another, needs to continue through the week. How can we encourage each other with stories? How can we share prayer requests with each other? How can we pray for one another? See, this is what it's all about when we talk about being a missional in practice. Of course, coming and seeing, come and see, and go and tell, they're linked. Unless you go and tell, there'll be no one to come and see. Unless we come and see, you won't be motivated to go and tell. So they're, they're, they're linked. But it's both and, it's not either or. So we thought about evangelism, what is it and what isn't it? We thought about evangelism, why we should do it and why we don't do it. Our fears sometimes override. There's great promises to cling to. And finally, we've looked at how should we do it. The come and see approach, living out our lives in front of the world, and the go and tell, influencing our circles of influence, whichever way that looks for you. Let's tie things up together here with three statements, three clauses, I guess, that we should adopt as a church, and we are going to be adopting as we, as we go on. We are to be prayerful when it comes to evangelism, we're to be bold when it comes to evangelism and we're to be clear. Prayerful, bold, clear. Prayerful, first of all. As a group, as a church, as people asking for God to come and do what only he can do. Don't forget, it's God who saves. It is God's word about his son, Jesus Christ. And we are simply the messengers. We are the ones he chooses to carry that message. But it's him that saves, not you, not your words. It's him and his word. And so we need to pray because only God can open blind eyes, soften hard hearts. Whether it's together as a group, whether it's you in your individual uh, relationships, be at prayer. 
when you're meeting with fellow foundation people, pray. Don't let a moment pass without praying with each other. Be prayerful. Number two, be bold. Be bold. The gospel is the power of God for salvation. It's kind of the same as what we've just been talking about. The gospel is the power of God. The good news is the power. Not you, not your words. It is the gospel. Be bold, therefore. Be creative. Don't be weird, but be creative in how you can share that. Boldly. And finally, be clear. Be clear on what the gospel is and what it isn't. Understand your biblical theology. We've talked about that a few weeks ago. Be prayerful, be bold, and be clear. How are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Because faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of Christ. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much that you would use people like us to bring the good news, that life-changing, world-changing, family, city-changing good news. We get to do that, and you use people like us. So Father, as a church, would you help us to be prayerful? Would you help us to be bold in our proclamation of the good news? Would you help us to be clear on what Christ has done and what being a Christian is all about? Father, we pray that here at Foundation Church, among all the local churches in this area and in the city, we would emit a gospel light that is so clear that the world will look on and see and want to come and hear more. We pray by the power of your Holy Spirit that we would see here more and more and hear more and more stories of lives being transformed, of people hearing the good news and being healed and saved and delivered. We know you can do this, and so we pray that you would use people like us to achieve your purposes in this place and in our own lives. We pray these things in the name of Jesus, your Son, who is victorious over sin and death. Amen.